Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Glad that you're here. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. If you'd like to stand, I've just got a few verses here to read for you about somebody that most of us are familiar with, Samson. This is kind of his story today. The Bible says that it came to pass afterward that he, speaking of Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Who hasn't heard the story of Samson and Delilah? This man that was a great warrior for the Lord, set apart, dedicated to the Lord, Yet he fell prey to another human being. The Bible says in verse 5, And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lies, and by what means that we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. I want you to think about that. I mean, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30. And here we have several, we don't know exactly how many, but we know that more than one at least offering 1,100 pieces of silver apiece to Delilah. If she would just entice Samson and get him to tell her what his strength, where his strength came from. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith you might be bound to afflict thee. I just want to teach a lesson this morning uh, that I've titled Blinding Love. Blinding Love. You may be seated today. Amen. I think most of us understand and realize that love is a very powerful thing. Uh, Love is something that is important to the child of God, but love is also something that is not limited to the child of God. Most of us that live in this world understand the the power of love. and We might have love for a spouse or love for children, uh, love for a grandchild that we didn't even know existed until that grandchild was brought into the world, and all of a sudden you just experience uh, this love and this greater depth than you've you've ever known before. And it's amazing to me the power that love has on people, the power that love has on a society, and also the lack of love that sometimes we see. I've seen love make many men do things that I never thought that they would do. And some of our younger men that are here today, I, I was joking around with Easton this morning. He came in dressed I mean, he, he's got a little little suit on. The kid's nine years old. And I said, man, are you going shopping for a girlfriend today or what? I mean, you are, you are dressed to kill today. And he just laughed. You know, a couple of years ago, he'd, have, he'd probably wrinkled his nose like, girl, yeah. But now, you know, I mean, uh, his eyes are kind of, I think, uh, looking at uh, little girls just a little bit differently than what he did. And as a grandfather, I, I'm really proud of that. <laughs> you know, in this day and age, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I'll just leave that there for you. 
Love has the power to change us. Love has the power to cause us to do things that we might not necessarily ordinarily do. And uh, love even has the power to change the direction of a person's life. I, I never would have dreamed growing up in the small town, southern Illinois, uh, suburbs of Pinckneyville that I grew up in that I would ever one day go up and live around the Metro East area. But there was a, a dark-haired, blue-eyed uh, uh, young lady that caught my eye and caused me to pick up and uproot everything that I knew and the people that, that I loved and, and go and be where she was. That's what love sometimes makes you do. This is why it is critical where we allow our affections to roam. I say that kind of as a warning this morning, but it matters who you fall in love with. It matters what you fall in love with. Because love is not always about another human being. Love can be about many different things. And it matters where you allow your affections to roam. It matters. A few things to notice here. In Samson's story, verse number four tells us that Samson loved Delilah. He loved her. But you'll not find a single place. I've not been able to find it anyway. If you find it, please, please correct me. Not right now, but correct me after church sometime. Please correct me. If you can ever find a place in the Word of God where the Bible says that Delilah loved Samson, you can find where Samson loved her, but you'll never find where she loved him. To those who might be toying with falling in love with this world, know this. If you fall in love with the things of this world, if you fall in love with ungodliness, if you fall in love with unrighteousness, it will always be a one-sided street. Now, there might be the pretend, I don't even know the word I'm looking for here, you might, you might have the concept that there is a love, but that love only goes as far as the attraction that it takes to get you where they want you. Delilah didn't love Samson. Don't give your love to a world that is seeking your destruction. Delilah was listening to voices. There were people that were coming to her, voices of temptation, voices of riches, but there are also voices of threats. If it can't lure you with one, it'll try to lure you with the other. If, it, if this world can't lure you with, with, with enticing you with things that your flesh desires and causes you to want to go after it, it'll cause you to try to fit into its mold by threatening you. One way or the other, it doesn't matter to the world how it gets you where it wants you. As long as it's able to get you there, that's all that matters to the world. So she tells Samson, tell me where your great strength comes from. Here's the part that I just cannot understand about a man that had been dedicated from birth to be a Nazarite. This man had grown up being taught values. This man had, been grow, had grown up 
being taught what it means to, to serve the Lord uh, to the extreme. He, he understood the power and the anointing that came with walking in the perfect will of God. And yet when it comes to Delilah, the woman that he fell in love with, the Bible says that she begs him, please tell me what it is that gives you your strength. And then she goes on to say, so that you may be bound and afflicted. Now, I can't, I can't fathom, I cannot fathom what was going through his mind or what was taking place down deep inside of this man that knew right from wrong, but yet here we find him blinded by love, where she can even tell him why she's asking him the questions that she's asking him, because I want to know how you can be both bound and afflicted. Red flags should have been going off. The sirens, you should have heard bells and whistles. Samson should have known. But I have to tell you today, long before the Philistines ever put his eyes out physically, he had already been blinded spiritually. And here's the, here's the point that I want us to understand today. It matters it matters that you're able to look into the Word of God and see this world through the eyes of the one who loves you. Don't get spiritually blinded because it's only a matter of time after you're spiritually blinded that you will become physically blinded. You'll find yourself in a place of torment. You'll find yourself in a place of confinement. You'll find yourself in a place where the world that you thought loved you and you loved it will mock you. There's a danger in never knowing what defeat feels like. And I have to, I have to ask myself if that's maybe not what kind of happened to, to Samson. Maybe, you know, he, he got in all these different things. He was called. He was a special person in, in God's army. And I think that Samson got to the place where he failed that it to realize that it was the anointing of God that was upon him that brought those victories and not his own power. You know, I think it's important for us to always remember that it is not by our might and not by our power, but it's by his power. It's never a good thing for, for a, a minister to think that it's that God can't get it done without them. Let me tell you something. Anything good that happens is not because of this man, but it is because of the God that works in and through this man. Not because of us as human beings, but because of the God that works in this church and that people are saved, that people are healed, that people are baptized. It's all about him and he must receive credit. It's not us. We are simply the tools that he uses to get the job done. I believe that Samson made the mistake of thinking that he could handle anything, that the anointing would always just be there. If you go back to verse 1, you'll see where he's making mistakes already. <clears throat> he's gone to, to visit a prostitute, not, not something that I would recommend for anybody that's going into the ministry. You might want to steer clear of things like that if you plan on being used by God. He was already doing some things that were very, very wrong, and yet, yet when the 
the Philistines came and they tried to surround him and entrap him. The Bible says that the anointing came upon him and this man who had just spent the night with this prostitute that he should have not been with rips the gates off of the wall and carries them up and he plants them someplace where they don't belong just to show them that he still got what it takes. But in the process of doing that, I believe that, that he began to think, hey, I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm always going to have the same anointing that I've always had. Now, God is gracious, and I think God allows us to make a few mistakes, but I don't think it's God's will that we just live in those mistakes. Samson was a Nazarite, and the Nazarites didn't live like everyone else lived. Samson lived a consecrated life of separation. He didn't do what everybody else did, didn't drink the same drink, didn't eat the same food, didn't go around unclean things. He stayed away from certain things, and there was a power that came from his vow of separation. There was a power that set him apart from the average person living in his day. There was a power that would come upon him that would help him defeat every enemy that he ever faced. I believe that same power has not gone away. I, I believe it's still in effect for those that God has called out, that God has separated. You wonder why God still wants his church to be a holy church? You wonder why God still wants his church to be a separated church from this world? You wonder why he wants us to be a consecrated church? It's because he cannot do the job without the church. He wants this church to be holy and consecrated and separated because he knows that the anointing that can come with that is so powerful that it can change the world. Everybody probably, in my opinion, thinks that Samson was, he looked like a bodybuilder. I've, I've even seen, you know, uh, pictures, and they've made movies about him and stuff like that, and they've always got this big hulk, the man that's going around, broad shoulders, and, and you know, he, he looks the part. He looks strong, but in my opinion, I think he probably looked like more of an average guy than he did the Incredible Hulk. He didn't turn big and green and ugly and, and get all muscly and then go into a, a fit of rage. No, I believe that, that, that he looked probably like most other men of his day looked. And the reason that I came to that conclusion, the Bible says that his enemies could not figure out where his strength came from. So I got to thinking, well, if he looked like Goliath, you might just assume that this guy could take care of himself. If he looked like a, a, a mighty warrior, but his enemies looked at him and said, this doesn't make sense. We can't figure out why is this guy able to, to beat all of us? When we surround him, why is he able to, 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 to break through anything? How come he can lift a whole gate up all by himself without a winch or a harness or anything helping him and carry that gate up on the hill and mock us. How does this guy have this strength that he has? What they did know that was when somebody faced Samson in a battle, that Samson went into a battle mode and was undefeatable. 
It was unstoppable. What they failed to recognize was that it was the anointing of God that made him unbeatable and unstoppable. Don't underestimate the anointing that you walk in. As a child of God, as a Holy Ghost-filled child of God, there is a power that is in you. This world may not understand it. You may not even understand it. But you walk in an anointing, and when you pray, there's not just words that are coming out of your mouth that are just flying up to the ceiling and bouncing around in the atmosphere. No, your words have power. When you pray and hit your knees, things begin to shake. Amen. Mountains begin to move. Don't underestimate the anointing that you feel when you walk into the house of God and you throw your hands up and you begin to worship and a tear runs down your face or God comes over you and you just want to shout a little bit. Don't underestimate that anointing. It's a powerful thing. Nothing like the anointing that falls on a person when they go into a spiritual warfare. Seen a lot of prayers that have come to fruition over time from people that just knew how to pray, knew how to touch the throne of God, prayed with a fervency, prayed with an anointing. When Samson went into battle, he was invincible. It didn't matter what he faced. If it was a lion, he'd just rip it. Rip the jaw bone apart and kill the lion. If it was if it was the Philistines, he'd take them, whether it be one, three, five, or a thousand. Didn't matter if he had a spear, bows and arrows, didn't matter what he had, or, or, or the jawbone of a donkey. He was undefeatable. His enemies were crushed everywhere he turned, and this was his story. Can you imagine? how differently life might have gone for this man had he not been blinded by love. He fell in love with the wrong thing. Never lost a battle as long as he'd kept his vows intact. But Samson crossed the line when he fell in love with the enemy of God. He knew what he should do but he became fixated on what his flesh desired and it caused him to go blind even though he could physically still see. I can imagine the conversations that he might have when he'd go back home. Sitting around the supper table, mom and dad are there. Of course, when you're in love, that's all you want to talk about, right? Oh, she's so beautiful. Yeah, but Samson, you know where she's from. She's not, she's not for you, son. Mom, I love her. Son, I know you think you love her, but does she even love you? Have, well, I think she does. She must. She keeps opening up the door and letting me in. She keeps asking me all these questions. She wants to know more about me. But have you ever heard her say, have you ever heard it come out of her mouth, I love you too? Well, I, I, no, I, I can't say that, but, but she acts like she cares about me. 
I love her. He even had three chances where he should have known what she was trying to do. She's mocking him, and he doesn't even realize the fool that she's making him out to be. Samson, tell me what it is that, that will make you lose your strength. Well, if you tie these cords together and tie me up in these fresh cords, then I'll be as weak as any other man. So what, 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 what happens? She does it. And, then, and then, then she calls and says, the Philistines are upon you. And he breaks the rope and, you know, beats the bad guys up and all's well. And he goes on his way. And, and then the next time he's back, so she's like, uh, so that didn't work. Come on, tell, tell me what will it be. And three times he, he deals with this. Three times she asks him and sets him up, and he's so blinded by love for this woman that he doesn't realize that she is setting him up. She doesn't love him. She lo loves the money that she's going to get from getting him to tell her his secrets. It's all about power. Finally, the word says that she pressed him until his soul was vexed to the point of death. Now, that sounds like a relationship that I would want to be in right there. There's one scripture, one version that says she nagged him so much that he finally gave in. I'm not looking at her. I saw you look over at her like... No, because I'm in love, brother. And she's not the enemy. Can you imagine this man being so vexed, the Bible says, so nagged that he thought, if I don't tell her, if I don't tell her after the last, okay, I've lied to her these three times instead of waking up and understanding that he's being lied to. No, he feels the guilt like I, I've lied to her even though she set me up. And if any one of those times would have been true, if I would have told her the truth, I'd be in a fix right now. So he finally says, enough, okay, I'll let you know. I'm trying to prove to you that I love you. He's then way over his head. He tells her the secret that cost him everything. It's a dangerous thing to think that God will allow us to feel the anointing no matter what we do or who we love. God loves us completely, but even God has his limits. Even God sets some boundary lines that says, listen, I'll follow you, but I'll only fo I'm only able to follow you up to this line. Once you cross that line, I'm not able to follow you beyond that. I'm here reaching out to you, getting you to come. You know, the father never left home with the prodigal son in that story. Never went searching for the son. Never went trying to drag him out of uh, his lascivious lifestyle. He, the father stayed put. He could only go so far. But the story says that the father was looking, and he, he was watching and waiting, and he saw the son from a long way off. 
God can only follow us so far with his, now his grace will be extended, but we have to come back into that grace. We have to come back into that mercy. If we want to go out and just do whatever we want to do, whatever ungodly things that we decide that will please the flesh, then we're going to find ourselves out there by ourselves. It's only when we say, you know what, God, I have sinned. I have made a mistake. I, I want to come back to you. Would you have me that you will find the Father standing there with arms wide open? And he says, absolutely, I will. I will take you back into the fold. I will bring you back into the family. I will make you one of my children again. God's love has no bounds as far as that is concerned, but he will only follow us with his anointing so far. Samson's in trouble. And she fi we, he finally told Delilah exactly what it was. Same thing happened. It has happened three times before, but Delilah could see his strength leaving. She cuts off his hair. Philistines come in. He jumps up expecting the anointing to be there, expecting the strength to be there. That wasn't his own strength. That was strength that he had borrowed from God. On loan from God, anointing, that only comes when God is able to be there with you. And the very things that he used to break easily, now he finds himself trapped and stuck. It's only going to get worse from there. Because they took him and they put his eyes out physically. They blinded him. And then they put him in prison and they would put him working at the mill just like any common slave. Around and around he goes, because what else can a blind guy do but just go around and around? He's physically blinded, he's spiritually blinded, and all he does, he finds his life just going in circles. Around and around and around he goes until he's done for the day and back into the prison cell he goes, only occasionally to be brought out, to be mocked, to be joked about, to be made fun of, but it wasn't just Samson that they were making fun of because Samson, has, even though he had walked away from God, was still a child of God. God still cared, and he was waiting for Samson to return to the house of God. The story were to end there, it'd be very, very sad still is relatively sad because Samson's life does come to an end. We find where Samson is being brought out once again, there's a big party under the huge pavilion. The young boy comes and says, it's time to go. They want you brought out. They want to talk about you, Samson. They want to remember how great you were and how yet you fell to one little woman because you were blinded by love, but you loved the wrong thing. If Samson could have only fallen in love with God as much as he fell in love with Delilah, the story could have been way different. He's in prison with no hope, no sight, no strength, no anointing. He must have felt very alone. I'm glad that we serve a merciful God.
story does not music would come this morning. There is always a place, hear me, always a place for a repentant heart. I don't care how far you've gone down the road. I just had something that just made my heart swell. This past week, I attended a funeral for the first time in a long, long time, I saw somebody that I knew as a, a young man. Somebody that I ran with for a little while. Years have gone by, probably been 35 years. It's a long time ago when I heard whispers tell me their secret. And I could see where it was headed. You know what? That's okay. I think I want out of this mess. I came back down to an altar, made it right with God, even though I had a lot of repenting to do. I looked a mess because I was a mess. There are some that are here that you might even remember that night. I could see where falling in love with the wrong things was getting me in a short amount of time. I wasn't quite even sure what God would do with me, to be honest with you. So I struggled, and I sat on the back of that pew, and I held on, standing there, wanting to go, but scared to death to make the step. Knowing that it was going to cost me my lifestyle that I was living, it was going to cost me the reputation that I'd kind of built over a few years. It was going to cost me all that. I, I, I was going to have a lot of changing to do. It was going to cost me some friendships. It was going to cost me some things. So I stepped out anyway, made my way down to that altar, and I found that the Lord will forgive somebody who repents. Truth. I had struggles along the it wasn't an overnight thing even though I knew all the, the right things to do it, it took just a little while to, to kind of straighten out some of the crooked places in, in my life but I'm telling you this much God knows how to bless those that take their vows to him seriously there's always something better when, when, when you walk away from the things that the world has to offer it may hurt for a moment, and then you realize that you could have never had the beautiful things that God wanted you to have had you not stepped away from the things that you thought were valuable that the world was offering you. And it's hard to understand this until you get on God's side of things, how worthless the things that the world is trying to hand you actually are. saw a man that went the opposite way that I went. I told my wife the other day, I said, I always, always had hope for, for this guy. I knew there was something inside of him. Because about a year after I came back to the Lord, he still wasn't living for God, but he caught me by myself. I was about 18 years old. 
he was a few years older than me. He might have been 20, 21. He said, Doug, I just want you to know we thought that you would not make it. And he said, the year's gone by. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm proud of you. I thought, there's something going on there. So I've paid attention over the years. I've always kind of kept up from one friend or another. Just a few years ago, I was at a funeral. I'm standing at the head of a casket. A man walks up in front of me, shakes my hand. And I shook his hand and said, thank you you don't know who I am, do you? He said, no, you're going to have to help me out because life has been hard. Hard on this one. He introduced himself, and I just threw my arms around him. <laughs> I hadn't seen him in so many years, but it was just like an old, an old friend. Well, I was at another funeral this past week, and I saw that same guy, and I'd heard that there had been some changes take place. Somewhere along the line, after all those years, he made his way back home. He came back to an altar. And once again, I didn't recognize him because I walked right past him. I nodded, nodded my head at him, said, how are you? Who's that preacher? My wife said, is he a preacher? I said, I don't know who that is. So he looks like he could be a preacher. Yeah. I, I, a little bit later, I introduced myself to him. He said, I knew you didn't know who I was. He said, but I knew who you were. And I watched as God took a wayward son that had been gone for not just a year or two, but decades. He said, welcome home. I said, man, you look like a preacher. He said, well. And the scripture came to mind that the Lord has a way of restoring the years that the locust have devoured. Samson's being brought out. <laughs> he says, Lord, just one more time. Can I just feel you one more time? I don't know what's going to happen here, and I don't know if this is going to be my last day on earth, but one more time, could I just feel your presence again? He reaches out, and something familiar ran down the back of his spine. He said, there it is. There it is. And he begins to push, and all of a sudden, he feels that old familiar strength come back. And I got to think that a smile was the last thing that people saw across his face as he pushed those towers down and that wall and those ceilings came down. And the Bible says that he took out more of God's enemy in his death than he ever took in his lifetime. Would you stand today? I don't know, maybe it's been a while since you've you've felt the presence of the Lord. Maybe, maybe you've walked away. Maybe you you can't remember the last time that you knelt down, but you do remember what it felt like a long time ago. When you found yourself in prayer, 
I wonder if there's anybody here today during the course of this service that the Lord asks you, who do you love? Who do you love? Would you be able to say, I love you, God. I'm in love with you, God. Would you let me feel your presence just one more time? Would you use me again in the way that you used to use me? God, my life isn't over. Maybe there's people under the sound of my voice today. God is going to do more for you with the remainder of your lifetime than he's been able to do with you up to this point. But you got to be in love with him. Just one more time. You may be feeling bound. You may be feeling blinded. You may be feeling like life is going in circles for you. You don't know which way to turn. They just drag you around. The world has you. And it's forcing you to do what it wants you to do. It didn't give you the things you thought it would bring. When you thought you'd be popular in this world's standards, you find that it's just laughing. There's a God that's not laughing at you. There's a God that's reaching out to you, waiting for you to say one more time, God. He's going to ask you, who do you love? Your answer needs to be, I love you, God. Would you raise your hands with me today as they begin to sing this song? I feel the presence of the Lord very good. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.